unlocking your unlimited potential is the ability to pivot on demand to continue moving forward. Every step in the right direction is a step, no matter if it's a baby step or not, keep moving forward. But most of us will go through life never tapping into those gifts and talents that lie dormant within. So helping that youngster to find what's there as opposed to envying and being jealous of all the other people who have accomplished their own goals. You've got your own stuff within you. You just got to tap into it. Consistent creation comes confidence and confidence. We think we know our students' potential. We don't. We think we know our own potential. We don't. We only reach our limits when we stop trying. So keep trying. Allowing others to see in them what you see in them. Helping them to see in them what you see. And, and to, you know, helping them believe in the greatness that they are, that you see and experience every day. Giving somebody a chance and being there to support them through it. It means your potential is unlimited. I mean, focus on that. It is an infinite pro process. It's an infinite progress. You're constantly taking steps to improve. Don't ever chase, got it. Don't ever chase that moment. Don't ever chase it, whatever that is, unless it is constant progress. So focus on the unlimited portion of this. That you don't chase somebody else, don't chase an arbitrary moment in time, a momentary accomplishment, a certificate, a label, a title, just keep getting better every day. If we're doing that work, or somebody else is doing that work on us, and at this point I think the children does that work on each one of the staff, and each one of the people that get involved in Casa Hogar, they get unlocked their, their potential by the children. So once you get involved with children, working with children, it's not what you do with them, it's, it's how the children impact in your life to unlock that, that unlimited potential that you have, and then they're gonna see the benefits from it. Unlocking unlimited potential means empowering others to take the risks they need to, to become exactly who they can be. Help that kid find what they're truly passionate about and what keeps them up at night working and what wakes them up early and what gives them that sense of wow. And I want them to find what they're good at to really identify their strengths. You know, that's the thing because of school and because of the model that we use for school where we're really focused a lot on weaknesses and trying to level up those weaknesses. I, for me, brother, I just want that kid to identify what they're passionate about and what their strength is. And then getting clear about how we can help that kid use that potential and use that strength to go out into the world and make a difference in the lives of other people. Welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories show. It is so great to be here with you all today. We are going to have an awesome conversation. I've been trying to track this guy down for a while. He is coming to us live all the way from California, but he started in Rhode Island and then went to college in New Hampshire and he moved around all the all over the place. But Coach Kurt Hines, how you doing? I am blessed. Thank you. I'm fired up after seeing your promo, the introduction video. It got me ready to just get up and start moving some weights and running through a wall. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. Thank you. Yeah, it's an awesome promo because the people on it are so awesome. And the, what they say is so great. You'll have your moment later to join the video. So you better be ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> well, listen, jumping in 
talking a lot in the pre-show we were just finally like we got to shut up and just record this and you know just awesome to hear about your experience i came across you oh god a while ago and i was always intrigued by your coaching and your methodology and your philosophies and just your your approach to coaching and i always am a big big fan of coaches and coaches education i preach and talk about it all the time the connection of the two things and i think coaching is what keeps me in in teaching a lot longer as well um but sharing stories before but we're gonna share a bunch today so let's just talk about it tell us about your story a little bit how have you ended up on this pathway being a successful football coach for young men in california san diego at Coronado High School. Yeah, you got it, all that right. It, you did. You, you, <laughs> you, you've done your homework. Well said. I, uh, I'll make a very long story, very short, uh, without leaving too many of the important details out. Started back at Plymouth State College. Actually, we were talking about where I went to school and, and got my teaching degree and, and played college football. I had a professor my junior year that reached out to me and said, "Hey, I, I know you have a passion for working with." Uh, she had seen me do some of my student teaching type, you know, classes. And she knew I had a passion for children with special needs. There was a middle school down the road from where we were in Holderness, New Hampshire, that had a, a need for a coach for a special needs flag football team. And she said, they're looking for volunteers. They don't have a coach. Would you be willing? Do you know anyone? So uh, I jumped at the chance and had a teammate of mine uh, join me. And it was the first practice ever, Brandon, that I was standing less than five yards away from a young woman, probably sixth or seventh grade with Down syndrome, just tossing a football to her underhand. And she dropped the first one, the second one, the third, and it kept going. The fifth or sixth one that she finally was able to get a hold of and catch, her eyes lit up. Like they just lit up like she had just won the lottery. And I remember that moment, and I pray I never forget it because that's the first time I've always loved football, started in the second grade, played in college. But I never thought about coaching until that moment right then. And I thought, I want to do this. Like I knew I had a passion for teaching. But I was like, what, why had I never thought about coaching? So finished that little season with the kids there. Uh, as soon as I graduated college, reached out to a local high school uh, near where my wife and I were living and said, look, I'm looking to get into coaching. I'm willing to be a volunteer, anything, whatever you need, any level. And the head coach, Mike Beliveau, actually uh, – Got back to me right away, said, well, let me come to your classroom at the end of one day, and I'll come by and stop by with my manager, and uh, we'll chat. Shows up with a young man uh, named Matt, who uh, was a young man who had Down syndrome, who, uh, which I thought was just kind of a cool uh, God thing, coincidence, call what you want. It, it was a cool, cool thing. And uh, he said, I'm actually looking for a full-time freshman coach. We don't have any freshman coaches right now, so it's a paid position, and you'll be the head freshman coach. I accepted the job phenomenally unqualified to, to be the head coach of, of any position or level and uh, absolutely loved it. I was blessed to coach under a man that knew the game, but more importantly, he knew people. He treated people right and uh, was there for seven years, seven or eight years. And then I got a call from a different coach in the town we lived in and said, hey, we're, we're tired of coaching against you. We want to coach for us. And uh, my wife and I have three daughters and one son. And our son was going to be a freshman in about two or three years. So I jumped at the chance to coach in my own town. And after about two weeks, went home to my wife and said, I'm done. So I'm going to honor my commitment, finish the year. But th this, this guy and I, we don't see eye to eye. And I'm not talking about X's nose. 
but we don't see eye to eye in how you treat people, how you motivate people. Um, so I finished the year there. My wife was working as a secretary at a brand new high school in Bedford, New Hampshire. And she said, hey, they're looking for a head coach. <laughs> and my wife's my best friend. But I said, hon, I said, I've been a freshman coach for seven or eight years, a varsity assistant for a few weeks now. I'm not qualified. And she said, what do you have to lose? I'm like, all right, well, you're, you're right. So I applied for it, ended up getting the job. And uh, I was sharing with someone earlier today, my first year as head coach at, Plymouth, at uh, Bedford High School, I set records in the state of New Hampshire. Um, but they're not the records you want to set. We, we get our teeth kicked in every single Friday, more than anyone else in the history of football. And, and I'm sure that's not true, but man, it felt like it. Um, went from losing every game our first year to winning two games my second year, five games my third year. And fast forward, my last four years, we had 144 young men in the program. Not I, but we had built a powerhouse. We had been to the state championship three out of my last four years. And as I was saying off camera a little bit, my wife and I were like, this is it. Like, this, this is our home. This is where we're going to be. I'm going to coach here until I'm 80 years old. And then our oldest daughter, who had come out to San Diego State, called us. She had been married the summer before, summer and a half, and said, hey, I'm pregnant. And my heart leapt. I was just like, yes, yes. And then seconds later, I was like, oh, no. Because I knew we didn't want to be grandparents on the other side of the country. So uh, we sold everything, moved out here, and uh, was an assistant at one school out here for two years and took over at Coronado six or five years ago, going on my sixth year, and love, abs like you, I love everything about it. I, lo I love the game planning, the off-season training, but more importantly, I love the relationships you build with those you, you coach and coach with. Yeah, and you talked a little bit about before camera, which I see is an interesting connection, and I can I can understand, but not many people can understand. Your day job is working with elementary students, yes, sir, all day long, and then your afternoon, your evening job is working with high school young men, and the difference and the value of the work. You know, we always talk about the the hard work that people do, and the hard work of when you think about the number of people that you're able to serve on a given day, on a given day, multiplied by each week, by months, et cetera, et cetera, you know, talk a little bit about the the connection between the two on your day to day. Yeah, well, you you just said something that that resonates with me. It's it's the blessing of the number of people I have a chance to serve. I uh, I honestly think you know maybe someday I'll I'll, I'll make a lot of money. I don't right now, and that's okay. But I've often said that 90% of my family and friends make more money than I do. I feel like the richest person I know. I, I absolutely love what I do. I have the opportunity, and, and if I intentionally set out to do it the right way, to bless and empower countless people through, and you, you know this, but you, know, you change a young man or a young woman's life. You're blessing their parents. You're blessing their siblings. You're blessing that young woman that he may end up marrying or she may end up marrying. And it's, it's the, the little pebble in the pond, the ripple effect. Um, it's funny, though. So many people look at what I do professionally, teaching elementary school and coaching high school football, and they go, wow, it, it's complete opposite ends of the spectrum. How do you, how do, you do it? How do you switch, switch the gears? And it's funny. When I first started, I thought, wow, they really are two completely different worlds. And it didn't take long at all to realize that those two are so not even closely related. They're intertwined. And I say that with confidence in my own personal experience, because the young men and young women I teach, the fourth graders, come into my class at the beginning of the school year, timid, 
and quiet and apprehensive and a little scared and you name it. The freshmen that come into our program, they come into our weight room. We have our summer workout start this coming Monday. Their first time coming into the weight room are apprehensive and timid and scared and overwhelmed. And, and I think every person, my age, your age, I'm a little bit older, those we coach and teach, they want, they want to know that they're loved. They want to know that they're valued and they want to know if they don't show up that they're going to be missed. And I try to make it a point. I, I know I fail from day to day, but I try to make it a point that every time I step into the classroom, every time I step into the weigh room, onto the football field, that I make a personal connection with each and every player, student, student athlete, and coach. And then that that's what get that's what gets me fired up. That that's what gets me a high that just just is is everything to me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the idea that when you're working with kids and you're doing one activity and the difference of some of being able to do some of these activities or asking some of those questions, when you be able to do them in both places, is always interesting. Sometimes I always joke with my high school athletes and I say, I just did this with 10 and 11 year old kids this morning. Right. And they did it this fast, you know, yeah. or vice versa. I use it to go both ways because I think it's really important to that leadership factor, you know, developing young leaders and the importance of us being able to help kids not only be leaders of others, but leaders of themselves. Yes. And I know that you are in a faith-based school. You're in a Christian school. I hope we can go there. Can we go there? I'm open for anything. Absolutely. We're an open, we're an open book. I haven't had a lot of actually faith-based educators on this podcast, but it's funny. The title of my book, Unlocking Unlimited Potential, weirdly enough, I started to realize that a lot of the people that were following me were people that were in Christian schools, in religious schools. And I started to realize the connection. And in my own God journey, in my own, you know, way, I, you know, I I'm really interested in all sides of the coin, um, but there's no conversation I'm not afraid to have. But I will say is in terms of, you know, the idea of how God comes into, comes through teachers and how we as teachers, our duty and, and our ability and our passion to be able to continue to want to do more. Like he fully speaks through certain people in that way. And I really believe that. And I'm I'm not afraid to say it, but I want to chat a little bit with you. Yeah. Like, how do you how do you feel about the idea of developing the young leaders of tomorrow? It's an honor, it's a blessing, it's it's what I live for. You know, my, my wife is my best friend. Married, we just celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary. She's my best friend. I love my four children, our four children, our two grandsons. Um, a part of that passion for me is not just being there and empowering and blessing my family, but those I'm blessed to coach and teach. And, and I think about the ultimate leader, in my opinion, Jesus Christ. What did he do? He didn't have a title. He was hated by many. He was judged by almost everyone, but he just selflessly served others. And I think as teachers and coaches, if we can set out to selflessly serve others, not for our own agenda, not for any fame or political or professional gain, I shouldn't say political, but professional gain um, or gain, then, then that's what it's all about. I, I think all too often we fall into the trap of in order to be a successful coach, 
We have to win games. We have to win championships. And I have stated often when, I, when I'm fortunate enough to go speak at places that there's not a greater coach out there than me. And you can see some people look up there. And I, when I first wrote that down years ago, um, I had a little picture on the screen and I said, and I, I, in my mind, I thought I was going to say, there's not a greater coach out there than me. I was going to wait a minute and talk about it. And the first time I was on stage, I was talking up in LA and I said, there's not a greater coach out there than me. And then I, you could see people's faces. Some people just smile like, all right, where's he going with this? Some people, you could just see them shut down right away. Like, all right, who's this arrogant son of a gun? You know, I, I, I'm, I need to get up and leave. And I said it again. I said, there's not a greater coach out there than me. I said, let me tell you why. And I went on to say, and I go on to say, the world defines success by the scoreboard, by the number of young men and young women we get into college and get scholarships. That's not how I define success. And I want to preface it by saying I love winning games. I've been blessed to be a head coach and assistant coach winning, like yourself, division, league, state championships. But that's not what it's all about for me. For me, my number one goal is to empower as many people as I can. And when you can help a young man or a young woman battle through the and navigate through the challenges of life and come out a stronger, more compassionate and purpose-driven individual, that's what success is all about. And when I say there's not a greater coach out there than me, I make sure I make the point that I'm not saying I'm greater than anyone else. But if I judge success on blessing and empowering another human being, how can you equate that to someone else being more successful or being greater? So I, I, for, I get fired up about that. Yes. No, absolutely. And what is it that defines what is a successful teacher? What is a successful coach? Is it, and we've seen tons of research on this in the field, and we've seen so much of it out there, what makes effective teaching. We've seen evaluations. We've seen all those different things. But at the end of the day, it's all it's all subjective to each individual relationship with each individual student and teacher and educator. Because when it comes down to it at the end of the day, what works with me and that student or that player may not work with you and that student and that player. And that has to be understood. And I believe that what you're saying is, is really that, you know, the, when we're identifying success, it's effective practices, you know, having effective practices identifies for sure success, what makes a successful educator. And it's not all about the number or the score. And it's very, very, very difficult to measure. It's yeah. very difficult to give a grade to. And, and, and for the people that, that disagree with that, and that's perfectly fine, but all, all you have to do is, is hop on your phone or the TV and the news and how many successful athletes, coaches, business owners, actors, musicians, do you see at the top of their game, whatever that is, winning awards and titles and championships and having millions and millions of dollars take their own lives or, or just battle with, with horrible anxiety or depression. And that stuff hits so many of us close to home, whether it's us personally or our loved ones. But that's, for me, that's not success. I've got, I've got a great friend of mine out here who has built himself into a very successful businessman, owns very many businesses and, and makes ridiculous money and is a great human being also. He's one of my best friends. But he was trying to encourage me three years ago or so to apply for a different job. And I said, I said Mike, why? He goes, do you realize how much money you'll make? And he started to go on about the money and money and money. And we were at the beach with our families. We were walking down the beach. Um, and I just looked at him and he just smiled. He goes, what? 
I said, Mike, that's not how I define success. I said, do you think with this new job that you would want me to apply for, I'd have to work more? He goes, well, yeah, you'd have to do this, this, and that, and all these different things. And I'm not afraid of hard work. But ultimately, what he was proposing was me having a lot less time with my wife, children, and grandchildren. I said, Mike, that's the opposite of success for me. I said, if I can put food on the table, pay bills, and go on a vacation once in a while, and have a lot of quality time with my family, I'm, I'm, I've made it, you know? Yeah, it comes back to your values, you know, yeah. the connection of all of that, what makes an effective educator, what makes an effective, what makes success, right? What all of that has to be tied into is your values. Who are you as a human being? What are the two or three or four or five important words that define who you are? And if you take all the things that you're doing and you can draw lines and connect it to each of your core values and connect it to, core, you know, it do it in many different ways, then we're finding some serious success. Yeah. And, and how often, I completely agree. And how often do we see people climb that ladder of success only to find out it's against the wrong wall? You know, they, 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 they chase that degree or that job because they think that's going to make their parents love them more or make their parents happy or proud or whatever it is. And I, I think the world is overpopulated with people who have success in the world's eyes, but are miserable deep down inside where it matters most. Yeah. You know, absolutely. And especially with social media and especially with all the things that kids are growing up with now, you know, our generation of growing up is totally different than what they're growing up with and being able to see it through my own kids' eyes and my own children. It's just, it's a really different world that they're really getting ready to, you know, endure. And you talk about working with high school athletes and you talk about working with value-based education and you talk about working with you know, your football team, what are some of the successful leadership approaches you have had to really stay true to your values as an organization? The, the, the first one I would say is balance. You know, whenever I've been a head coach in the East Coast and now here in California, um, balance personally for us as coaches and our families. Um, we never have coaches meetings on Sundays because I've heard over the years, Brandon, so many people braggadociously talk about how, yeah, my family knows they're football widows or soccer widows or baseball widows during the season. And they try to brag to the kids, that's how much I care about this sport. And I think, wait a minute, that same coach is saying, I want to help build better young men and better women. For what? Like, don't we want to help them to be better, well-balanced human beings? So I think it starts, regardless, let's face it, regardless of what we say to our players, if I tell them we have no swearing policy on our team, if I say, hey, you can't swear if you do, you do 25 push-ups, but we don't hold our coaches accountable for that, they're going to have zero respect for us. So we have a no swearing policy for our players and our coaches. If I tell our players that they've got to show up early and be ready to work you know, five minutes before the, the practice starts, we as coaches should do that. Um, so I, th I think we've got to start leading at home, and our players see that. They understand that. Um, one of the other things we do is we, I have leadership council meetings with our with our young men and young women. And years ago, I used to only open that up to our captains. And then probably about five years ago or so, I said, you know, why, why am I limiting so much potential growth and conversation and discussion and relationship building to just those select three or five individuals? So now I open it up to the entire program. And I, I to myself, laugh sometimes because sometimes you'll have 10, 15, you know, football players come to my office and seven or eight of them are studs, and some of them are kids that can't even put their helmet on straight, can't catch a football, let alone catch a you know 
you can't catch a cold, let alone catch a football. But they're part of those discussions. And I'm not even looking at it at that participation as, hey, maybe some year they'll be a stud. I don't care if they're going to be a stud or not. But maybe something we share will, will touch them in a way that's going to help them navigate through their own lives, even if it doesn't come out to show on a Friday night. Um, so, I, so I love those discussions. We also, I think a lot of sports teams do this, but I think it's undervalued, the importance of having, having team meals together. We, every Thursday, have a team meal. And when I first started my journey as a head coach years ago, we would have team meals. We'd get together, eat, and that was it. And it was good. We were eating with our coaches and players. What we do now is we have a team meal, but every time we have someone, myself or an assistant coach, or sometimes I'll ask someone else to share a character message, share something. And I try to keep it short, you know, seven, 10 minutes, but share something that is current in our lives, what's going on right now, or something that we just see as, as, as a challenge for our program. But just to have them walk away nourished, not just physically, but mentally and spiritually and emotionally as well. Sharing the power of stories. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's important, you know, to be able to understand that the more we give kids the opportunities to share their stories, the more they feel involved. And at the high school level, it's not always about like that premier level team where every single kid is shooting for a D1 scholarship. We have a range of athletes and we have a range of kids who are also really, really strong athletes, but they may not go on and that may not be their interest to play that sport at the next level. It might be academics. It might be another sport. It might be something completely different. And yeah. you're right. You're the, the pathway through us, the pathway through the coach is such an important component, such an important experience. Everyone needs a coach at all times yeah. in life, you know, and I think for us to be able to do that with young men when they're at that prime age, right when they're getting ready to hit that, that kind of precipice of their, the altar of history that they're yes. about to walk upon as they leave behind, you know, high school and become a young man in the future to be a part of that's a really incredible thing. Yeah, it's, it's humbling. And I often say, you know, one of the differences to kind of go back a little bit to what we talked about between the differences between teaching elementary school and coaching high school football is the students in my class have to be there. You know, in the United States, you have to have parents have to send their children some type of formal education, whether it's private school, public school, homeschool, whatever it is. Our football players, your soccer players, they don't have to be there. Most of them are choosing to be there. Not all, but most of them are choosing to be there. and. It's funny because there are things that we can say as coaches that mom and dad have preached for years, but mom and dad are idiots because they're mom and dad. But if they hear it from Coach Beck or Coach Hines, hey, that's different. You know, Coach said this now and they take it as gospel. I, I actually had today, I, I was, did two podcasts this morning and I went for a walk and I was nearing the end of my walk, scrolling on my phone, probably not the smartest thing, but I was checking my emails and I get an email from a teacher at Coronado High School. I won't say the young man's name. And she just said, and she just told this whole story about what this, in, this particular ch young man was doing. And he's a stud player for us, great young man who uh, I, I've been blessed to be able to coach. He and his brother who's graduating, um, military family. They moved, I think it was 12 times in 11 years. And it was crazy, crazy stressful for family. So he, he's got a lot of anger built up. And he, he, he doesn't have a, a lot of respect for authority, although 
through the off-season workouts, we, he and I have been able to build a relationship, and I make it a point to talk to him every single time I see him about something other than football, something just to connect with him on a personal level. So this teacher emailed me and said, hey, so-and-so is doing this, this, and this. I know there's only two days of school left, but could you please talk to you when you see him? I replied back, said, absolutely, thank you so much. And I made a note to myself, I'll see him Monday in the weight room. But then I kept walking. I was like, no, wait a minute. This, this is not what we're promoting as a football program. This is not right. So I call him right away. And his funny, he answers. He goes, hey, coach. He just whispers. I'm like, where are you? I mean, I'm in English class right now. Like, do you want me to call you back? He's no, it's fine. We're not doing anything, which I don't know if that was true or not. But I said, hey, is this true? And I kind of paraphrased what the teacher had said. He goes, yeah, coach. I said, listen, you need to go find her as soon as your English class is over. Apologize. And you and I will talk on Monday. I love you. Goodbye. And just hung up. So I emailed the teacher back and said, I almost said his name, so-and-so should be coming to find you within the next hour or so. Please confirm that he does. And sure enough, within 35, 40 minutes, I get an email from her saying, thank you so much. He came to see me. He apologized. And the reason I share that is because I truly think if I treated this young man as just a football player, just someone that I could get to be a better football player to help me meet my agenda of winning games, he probably wouldn't have answered my phone call, wouldn't have seen her, could have been kicked out of school if it had escalated. You know, the list could go on and on. But as teachers and coaches, we, we are so, so not so gifted, so blessed to be gifted with the opportunity to change lives. And we can't take that lightly. You are absolutely correct. You know, one thing we do on this show is we dedicate the show to someone who's out there unlocking unlimited potential and all whom they serve. And a lot of times it's someone who's a part of our journey and who has inspired us to, to get to this place. Talk to us a little bit about who you'd like to dedicate this episode to. Yeah. Um, Mr. Nicholas was my seventh grade math teacher. Now you, your listeners may not know this. I'm not sure if you mentioned it or not, but off, off air, you and I talked about how you went to Keene state. I went to Plymouth state. I, I often joke. It go was owls and <laughs> go Panthers. It was often the, uh, I often say it was the Harvard of the North, but it, it, Plymouth State was not Harvard, to say the least. Um, and the reason I say that, I was not a good student growing up at all, and math was my weakest area. I had a seventh grade math teacher, Mr. Nicholas, who would sit on his desk every class for about five, seven minutes, and he would just call out, hey, Brandon, what's going on in soccer? Hey, Kurt, what's going on in football? Hey, Amy, what's going on here or there? And just talk to us about life. And I remember sitting there in a class I hated, just thinking, and it's one, another one of those feelings I hope I never forget, just thinking to myself, this guy cares. Like, he truly cares about us. When other teachers would say, hey, you're wasting educational time, you're wasting this, this is all fluff, he just sat and talked to us every class, five, seven, ten minutes. And I remember thinking in that seventh grade class, I hated school, I want to be a teacher someday. He changed the trajectory of my life just by caring enough to talk to us about what interested us. So shout out to him. I, I would love for him to hear this sometime. I'm not sure if he ever will, but he, uh, I, I guess for me, it's a reminder that we never know the impact we have. Shout out to Mr. Nicholas. And I believe that's what they call a community circle nowadays or something like that. I think there's actually like a, a title for that now. It's yeah. an actual practice that he was doing. Who would think having a conversation with students would turn into something with a title? I mean, it's right. amazing, right? right. Um, you know, one thing you heard people do at, at the end of the show, and you've been talking about it this entire show. Um, help me finish this sentence. We've been talking about it in this entire show. So what does it mean to you? Unlocking unlimited potential. For me, unlocking unlimited potential is all about empowering those you are blessed to teach and coach 
to embrace challenges. When I look back over my life, the greatest success, greatest growth I have ever had have always come after facing challenges, not running from them. And that, that's been a process for me of learning to embrace challenges and realize that, that challenges and trials and adversity are my friend and not a foe, but really something I want and need in my life to be successful. Challenges are most definitely opportunities for growth. I appreciate you, man. I have a full page of notes right here. I am just really loving everything that we had a chance to talk about. So what's next for you? What's happening? When's the next season? Where's the team right now? What's your life like? Yeah, I'm in full summer mode right now. So, so life is life is great. As much as I love teaching, I, uh, I do football and family and football and family and that's it. Um, What's new, really, is uh, I've got two children married, two grandsons, and one son engaged to get married uh, this coming November. I just finished writing my first book. Um, it's called Why I Went to, to Coaching, Not Modeling. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's not really called that. It should be. Um, but uh, just just loving life. You know, I, I've really tried to to practice what I preach with our players as far as being where being where your feet are, just being in the moment, being present you know, without getting preachy to you or your audience. I think way too much of us, too, too many of us spend time in the past or the future. We stress about things that have already happened that we can't change, or we stress about things that haven't happened yet. And some of those don't even unfold the way we envision them to. But being where your feet are and realizing the blessing of each day um, is just such a, such a powerful gift. So yeah, just, uh, I'm going to be putting something out there on Twitter probably later tonight, looking for suggestions for publishers. But uh, I mean, I'm excited to just continue on the journey I'm on and just keep trying to bless and empower as many people as I can. That is awesome. I, wow, that's great to hear the book. I can't wait to, to hear that. I can't wait to read it because I'm sure it's going to be jam full of energy like you are, my man. And it's been an amazing time getting a chance to talk to you. People can follow you on Twitter. What's the What's the tag? It's... Yeah, Give coach, it to me. coach Kurt Hines, K-U-R-T-H-I-N-E-S, Coach Kurt Hines. And I, I have that the same with Twitter, Instagram, yep. uh, TikTok, which I'm not proud of, it, but I don't dance on there, but I am on TikTok. Um, <laughs> and the, the book I'm doing is actually, a, it's a picture book. It's about a, a panther that, that attacks an owl. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. He's kidding. He's kidding. That, is, kidding. A, that is a college reference. Yes. That is a rivalry reference. No, listen, I appreciate all you do. I really thank you for coming on here. We could have talked for hours and I know we probably will catch up again soon, but listen, thank you so much for everything you do. And to all my listeners out there, remember that the journey toward unlocking unlimited potential, it begins with you. Have an awesome day, everybody. Continue to educate with passion.